welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And then he drove past and I just said, hey, can I, can I pray for you? Just boldly. And I just reached into the car and put my hand on his chest and just, just went, Jesus. And he's sort of a bit stunned, he's teary, which is great. Um, and just, yeah, and he, he was just actually rocked by it. And then we just started talking about church and Jesus and... So though, like the, the obedience is a big deal, like the simple obedience releases large breakthrough. Yeah. Simple, quick obedience releases large breakthrough, no matter what it is in life. And I think we all want momentum. Um, we, we all want a feeling of momentum, of things moving forward, whether it's family, uh, finances, the supernatural, uh, friendships, wh- whatever it is, I think momentum's a... Uh, a great thing to want in our lives but what I'm learnt and learning is that consistency brings momentum I mean you can start a you can start a train that's actually touching a a 10 foot solid brick wall and it's not going to move anywhere but if that train's travelling at 80 k's an hour and the brick wall's a kilometre away, who knows that that consistency and that momentum is going to go through the brick wall. And I think there's, there's something innately inside of us that has been put there by the Lord for, for, for things to move forward and to grow in and momentum to happen. And, and I just want to encourage you guys that simple obedience is bigger than we think. And, and for, for those that want to begin to step out and to, to bring heaven to earth in real ways, measurable, practical and tangible, the simple obedience is the key. Simple obedience with a little thought here or there. When you see someone, when, you, when you're prompted, it's, it's those moments. And for those that have stepped into that for a period of time of ministering to people and really um, seeing great breakthrough in that, they will testify that the obedience factor is key. And even in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Like simple, quick obedience brings great breakthrough. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So that's a good testimony. So, uh, and then I pray, I pray for one lady. I, I, I had a word of observation. Um, not a word of knowledge that the Spirit of God gave me, but I saw a lady sort of wincing at Coles. And I, um, word knowledge gone bad, a word of observation gone bad. And I said, hey, could I pray for you? And a bit of a translation thing, a bit of a scene actually. And uh, the, um, the lady next to I try and do it so I'm not holding up customers. And it's, you've got to really pick it and someone's paying. And I'm like, I just want to do this. Because we can run off and go, oh, it wasn't the Lord. But it's like, come on, that's a bit, come on. But then we don't want to cause a scene. But she was causing a scene. Um, and her friend started laughing and and then giggling, and then I'm like, I just want to pray for you because I've seen, I've seen so much. Let me pray for you. Let me jump through there and just. But uh, anyway, it was an absolute scene, and she didn't let me pray for her. So it's a mixed bag, and we've got to be okay. But I'm not taking the credit for when someone gets healed, so I'm not going to take the credit for when something goes bad. Is that okay? So that's just a good word. So all all this is important. Um, if there's no testimonies, the church is a book club. So if there's no testimonies in my life, I'm just having my own book club. And I just read this and nothing happens. And we know that that's not true because the testimony is not just at the petrol station that's in our homes. 
It, it starts in our homes. It, it starts with our spouse. It starts the, the, the God moving, even when I don't think it's happening, you are. Those things, when I invite you into my life and allow you to become my life, that the testimonies, the most important testimonies are the ones that are happening in us, that are happening in our homes, that are happening with our friends and our families, that are happening in those, those places that we uh, have the most influence the most. And then, and then it moves on from there. But it, but it begins here. The testimonies that we want to see in our families first begin here. So it's really, it's, it's about taking ownership and responsibility for my life that the Lord has marked and chosen and put his spirit in me and has called me to much and has announced his pleasure over me before I do anything and understanding what he's laid before me and what's possible. It's the responsibility that I have is to steward that. And the word steward is to take careful manage of. It's to protect and it's to nurture. And I don't speak like this generally, but the greatest problem that believers have and the church has is a lack of stewardship. I've just been thinking about it. And I don't talk that, like a negative, you know, um, like that and then launch into something. But I was just thinking about it and I'm like, man, we hear a lot of sermons. Too many. Oh. Um, oh, sorry, was that out loud, that little grunt? Um, I mean, just the stuff that we absorb. Worship sets, worship songs, all good. Scripture, all good. Sermons, great. Encouragement, great. All the stuff we absorb through our ears and our eyes that's entertained in our mind and our heart and then has the potential to get transformed into our soul and then lived out. Great, good, excellent. But we hear a lot of stuff. So I, I think we can go, oh, the, the devil. I'm like, Mate, we, we don't really ever, ever have to talk about him. We just got to steward some stuff. Because we have so many moments, but they just become moments. And I'm talking like I got both hands and feet in the air. Like, yes, to this, this is me. Because I, 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 the, the momentum and the consistency is, is something that I want to live in, but I know that that flows from the Lord working in me. So that, that's, that's the thing that I, I want to nurture and protect and to take careful manage of. I want to steward what the Lord's doing in me. I want to steward what I've been given. I want to steward the scriptures and the promises that are really personal and, and, and important to me. I want to steward the prophecies that have been made over me. I don't want to forget the prophecies. You don't need another word. Here's a prophetic word. You don't need another word. Here's the prophecy. You need to steward the ones that you've got. You will get more words and you do need more words. But we see so many words and I want a word and the prophet comes to town and I hope he picks me. And you got 17 in your book. Or maybe you didn't even write them down. Or record them. So the culture that we're developing even with prophecy is get your phones out. 
Like, how the heck are you going to remember this if you, you don't listen to it again? So this stewardship deal is massive because we're, we've done a whole year of At The Table. And I'm not going to say, I hope you've got it. But I hope you've got it. I hope. Confident, eager, joyful expectation of good. Um, I, I really hope that uh, throughout the year you've been tracking, you've been watching and listening. Lee's really led us down this at the table uh, place and, and I've branched off a little bit um, and, and, and launched out of that into presence and the Lord working in us. And I'm going to be closing that out in a couple of weeks, my last message for the year, perhaps, I think. And then Lee's going to close out at the table next week. But, but are we stewarding things? Are we looking after things? My lawn does not grow itself. My lawn does not, uh, my lawn isn't the best on the lake for a reason. There is a reason why my lawn is by far easily the best lawn in our Lake District. It's true. Someone commented on it the other day and I said, oh, it's only 60% at the moment, mate. Um, but there's effort involved. There's, there's, there's a whole bunch of practical things involved to get that looking that good. And, and I wonder... All the questions that we have around life and trials and tribulations and obstacles and challenges that are internal, that manifest externally when they bump into other people's problems and challenges and stuff goes down and things don't work out. And I just wonder if all, that, all those things collide with the fact that we're not stewarding also. And we're not looking after moments and we're not treasuring certain things that he's given us to treasure and to nurture and to, pro to protect and to see grow. And it's a little bit different glan uh, gla glancing at this today and a little bit different posture that I want to talk about. But I really feel that he wants us to get better at this because he has so much for us. And who knows that faithful with little, faithful with much. And I want to just recap the work that he is doing and that he is more interested in doing is inside of us. He wants, God, he wants to move. He wants to do stuff. He wants to see people encounter him. But he is more concerned about what he's doing in you. Because if he can work in you, the things and the assignment that he's called you to can be sustained. If he doesn't work in you, it's a flash in the pan. But he, he, he wants to see an army, a family of believers first take ownership and steward personally what he's put in us and live it out. And then we can work together and see incredible things happen. Where's the work? It's in us. What is the work? It's you becoming like Christ. That's the work. And, and last time I spoke, I just shared on what is the work according to? Because there's got to be a reference point. There's got to be a marker. There's got, it can't be according to me. <laughs> like the work that God's doing in me, working in me, that, that I be conformed to the image of Christ and I think live in love like Jesus, that's the work. But that work can't be according to what I think Jesus is like. 
Because remember what happened with the Israelites when Moses went up to the mountain? They were, they were grumbling, complaining, but then they're in and then they're like, yep, 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 yep. And then they, they questioned, because he was up there for a while, he questioned that God was actually the God that was going to lead them and they created God in their own image. And if we're not careful, if we don't take the time to unpack and understand and invite the spirit of truth to guide us into all truth, then we end up making a God in our own image and the work is according to us. <laughs> Sounds like the dude who built a house on the sand rather than the rock. What sand? Particles of rock. So the dude bought... He, like, I don't think he... I don't think Jesus is saying he, he, he didn't build on anything. He built on something. He built on sand. So he's building on partial truth. But the Lord's inviting us into actually revaluing his word and understanding that the Holy Spirit loves grabbing these scriptures and, and, and opening your heart and taking it from information and something that's just cognitive and just out of education and learning and study, which are great, but they're not an end to themselves and guiding us into truth. So we experience truth and we can live it out. And, and Paul celebrated the Thessalonians and he affirmed them so much in his letter. And he said this, he said, For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of mere men, but as it really is, the word of God, which is also at work within you. Come on now. I love it. Colossians 3, 14 to 16, above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called into one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Paul says in Thessalonians again, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it is also within you. So spreading and growing and increasing rapidly, not just out there being proclaimed, but working in us. Oh, yes. So who's in charge? And who's the standard of our lives? 2 Timothy 3.16-17 All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable and equipped for every good work. The word equipped is to make suitable, properly fitted and complete. Oh, it's good stuff. Just a commentary on that. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 stresses the end impact of Scripture in a believer's life. Indeed, the Bible thoroughly fits and furnishes each believer to live in full communion with God. 
So this isn't just follow the 1,050 New Testament instructions and you better do it or you're no good. (laughs) You suck. It's not that. You suck, so you better follow these. You're a worm, so you better follow these. You're no good, so you better follow these. You've fallen short, so you better follow these. You better just do it just so you can just stay above. No, not get too big, but just follow it enough and we're just always falling short. No, no, that's not the plan. That's not, that's not the goal. It's, it's to be fully furnished and thoroughly fitting and being made suitable and properly fitted and complete to carry out the works that he's called you to be and do. He's doing a work in you, but he wants to work through you. And, and even all this, we, we've heard this before. We've heard it. We've heard this all before. <laughs> heard it. Now what? That's how I think. It's like, I've, I've heard this. What, now what? The amount of people I talk to over the, uh, over the last two decades of being a believer and, and just encouraging people, and, and I've got a one line that I'll joke with a mate who's not here today. And, it, and, it's, and he used to say to me early on, like 15 years ago, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do. <laughs> but I just don't do it. I know, I know what I need to do. And it's a joke now that we say. And it's, it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. <laughs> For everyone. Like, I know what I need to do. Because it's like, cool, sermon. Now what? And we're not working now, right? You're not paying bills now. Kids aren't screaming now. Like you're not the most aware of all the issues of life now. And that's true at a conference or on holiday. So there's moments, I won't say fantasy, (laughs) but there's moments of reprieve. Reprieve? Reprieve. Let's go back to reprieve. Okay, settle down. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to preach over here now. Um, but there's moments of those, so we're not fully aware of everything and all the stuff, right? So it's not real, it's, it's real life, but it's not real life. This is two hours a week. So we're hearing stuff, and we're, and we're grabbing stuff, and we're seeing quotes on Facebook. This is a prophetic word for you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how ridiculous. A prophet's posting a prophetic word on Facebook and 17 million people are going, Amen! I'm like, it might not be for you, pal. You're right where you need to be. It's like, oh, that's weird. Because you might not be where you need to be. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) I know, I'm like, but but I'm like, so there's these these moments now where, where, where the seed's going out where moments are happening, where there's some stillness, where there's enough time for the Lord to speak and we can hear. And it's like, great. But now what? Like, what about tomorrow? How do we translate the God moments where he crashes in, speaks, challenges, heals, uh, encourages, corrects, rebukes, they're good too. 
highlights things? What do we do with those moments of prophecy that just pierce just the mundane and, and shake us and stir us? What do we do with those? I was just thinking, like prophecies personalize promises. Prophecies, when the Lord personalizes promises and releases them in a person's life. Because prophecy without the word of God is not prophecy. So what do we do when the promises are personalized and they make sense and they fit where I'm currently at with all the stuff that's going on, good and bad? What do I do with the worship moment that I'm wrecked and I'm in tears and he did something and he spoke? What happens when it's communicated throughout the service? What do, what do you do with that word this morning? What do we do with the words at conferences? What do we do with the excitement of a conference? What do we do with the, the final altar call on the Saturday night at conference when there's like a commissioning and a sealing, whatever that means, the conference? I've done it. I've sealed stuff as well. It's noble. It's great. But what, what do we do? What do we do? And I'd like to propose a good friend of mine, Daniel Weber. You might know him as Dan Weber. He introduced me and us to a little concept because he's passionate about us living out what we have been taught. And it's information, revelation, application, transformation, manifestation. Information, revelation, application, transformation, manifestation, in that order. Information's excellent. It's excellent in everything we do. Life, church, God, study, work, family, notices from the school, emails that get blocked. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you get my email? Oh, no, I didn't. Sorry to everyone. Um, <laughs> but information's excellent. We need information. It helps us. Knowledge is wonderful. But if it only stays there, we have a problem. Information only just causes us to be more religious. And we don't want man's attempt to get to God. Religion. Religious principles over presence, no good. So information's got to jump into revelation. Revelation is to make information known. How's that? The Greek word for revelation is to make information known. And it references God making information known to those close to him. So information's good. We need it. But revelation's more important. Paul says in Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you would know him better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
So Paul's like, I pray that, that the God of heavens would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know him better. Because the goal is you becoming like him. And if you can know him, not information, no Greek word, by experience, then you're going to conform into the image of the Son. Come on. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, not just cognitive, but, but an illumination of your heart in order that you the hope to which he has called you. So you would know the hope of your calling. So that you would be filled with, with the confident, eager, joyful expectation of good with the assignment and the call that he's purposed for your life. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation and your heart being illuminated that moves out of just information is, is so that you can know him better and understand the call that he's put in your life. Because when you live out the call, purpose happens. We move from living for pleasure instead to live for purpose. If we live for purpose, pleasure happens. If we live for pleasure only, purpose struggles. Knowing him better, knowing the hope that our calling brings, that could be a better translation. Feeling the hope, living out the hope that, our, that knowing our calling brings us. Humility and hunger are the great keys for information turning into revelation. Humility and hunger are the great keys for information moving into revelation. Proverbs 25.2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out, to seek it out. Oh, it's so good. What does Jeremiah 33.3 say? says, call to me and search for me and I will disclose unsearchable things that you do not know. Something like that. There's about eight translations mixed in there. So information into revelation. Information, revelation, application, transformation, manifestation. God does not hide things from us. He hides things for us. God does not hide things from us. He hides things for us. Revelation to application, I think, is the most critical part because we've heard too many sermons. We will hear more. (laughs) You'll probably hear 40 next year out of the 52. Is that about right? 40? We definitely won't do 52, but 40. And we value the scripture and we value the teaching. And and the early church was built on them devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I know my responsibility of how the Lord works with the kingdom and how the church is used in family. Like, I, I understand my role and my responsibility of teaching because it's absolutely a filter for your life with where the Lord's at in your life is the teaching that we bring. That's how it works. There's other things that pop up, but I understand our massive responsibility of teaching the Word of God because it's filtered through your life and family. It's wild. Oh, no. No. That's just a massive deal. So teaching and and, and sharing and, and opening the Scriptures is very important. 
But we've heard so many sermons and the stewardship of them is something that we really need to grow in. So information and revelation is important, but I believe the critical component to this information, revelation, application, transformation, manifestation is the revelation to application. And this phrase jumped out to me when I was holding hands with Jude going to the shop to buy a toy yesterday. This was the phrase. Unapplied revelation leads to familiarity. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is brilliant. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Not trying to take the credit. Might go on socials this week though. Um, But unapplied, how's this? What a phrase. Unapplied revelation leads to familiarity. So we get revelation and our hearts are illuminated and there was a moment, there was a word, there was a highlight, there was a healing, there was a scripture. And then we don't apply it or we don't steward it or we don't nurture it or we don't protect it or we don't look after it. And you know what happens. We go through healing teaching, we start laying hands and count, get, check if it's out of 10 for people and we, we get a bit of momentum with it and then nothing happens. COVID for a couple of years, and then we just lose a bit of traction with it and then we sort of go, yeah, I get healing, I've got healing. But then when we do it again, there's something that kicks up again and I'm like, no, I've heard this and it's like familiarity kicks in and like, I know this, wow. I know this. Why are we doing this teaching again? But it's not a, it's not, it hasn't manifested It hasn't transformed us and it's not manifesting every day in our life. So if we don't apply revelation, it leads to familiarity. And I'm not going to label it as a spirit because I don't have the information to be able to do that today. But it it most likely is. And one of the, like I've heard, like Benny Johnson talks about familiarity in her book, The Happy Intercessor. And she talks about how like the spirit of religion and the spirit of familiarity are the most wicked spirits. Again, I'm not, I'm not announcing that as, I'm just saying it most likely is because it's intense. Yeah. And we saw it in the Pharisees. They were meant to bring in, they were meant to welcome in Jesus. And, and they, they said no. Revelation came in the temple in Luke 4. If Mitch could jump up, that'd be great. Revelation came to the Pharisees. Grace came to the Pharisees. But familiarity kicked in because they didn't steward the revelation. And they said, oh, isn't that Joseph's son? Ah, yeah, it is. Let's kill him. Unapplied revelation leads to familiarity. It must be applied. Trying to close this out. The greatest hindrance to us bringing heaven to earth on a, on a daily basis is a failure to steward and apply what touches our heart. That's a negative way of putting it. But what the Lord wants to do is He wants to help us steward. He wants to help us take careful manage of. He wants to help us reset some priorities. 
He wants to help us develop some non-negotiables. He wants to help us set up some core values in our life and in our family. He wants to help us do whatever it takes to manage and to look after, to nurture and to protect the things that touch our hearts. Because if we don't allow, if if we're only having our hearts touched and nothing changes, it's a level of deception and it hurts us. And this isn't a whipping, but a sober reminder that you are called to much. And he can only do that over a long, sustained period of time where there's health and wholeness and, and, and thriving families. When we allow the Lord to work in us and we invite him in. Like there's this Stephanie Gretzinger song, it's like, there is nothing in this life worth the cost of losing you. That's not a salvation thing. But it's like, and then she says, like, is it even a sacrifice? Like, if I trade the world for you. And I just think, we, we, we just, we love being in control and, and just trying to make our life good. But, we, but if we can learn to steward the moments that touch our heart, which leads us to Him, we navigate all the crap way better and actually well because the destination mindset is a lie. <laughs> like the, the locking into an outcome is fantasy. If we can get better at stewardship through it all, then we navigate the ups and the downs well. And we grow and our perspective changes. And, and, and this something changes when we go through pain where we know we're getting an upgrade, even though it's really hard. But if we don't, we go through it. We, we have to, he has to lead you through He doesn't put it on you, but he'll use other stuff because other stuff's going to happen. And he'll just use other things. Okay, here's another opportunity. Here we go again. 12-day journey, 40 years. And that's not to whip and we don't live in regret and what if because he redeems time. He causes the sun to stand still. He can do more in a year than he did in 20 So this is a message of hope and an invitation by the Lord to steward the moments that touch your heart. Because we want transformation. I want to I want to I want to feel the transformation. I don't want to go, here we go again, theme Sunday. Let's tick these things off. I'm like have, has is there a measure in my life that I got together? Is there a measure in my life that I got others? Is there a measure in my life that I got sent ones? Is there a measure in my life that I got at the table? And is there going to be a measure next year that I get? Because when we start applying, as we stand to our feet, thanks.
revelation that's applied, it leads to transformation. It's when hope and faith collide and and boldness happens and it's appropriating and, and, and putting to use the word and the promise and the moments that touch our heart. And, and we can't do that alone. We can't do it alone. So much of this stewardship, people are required. That's why being here is important. It's why developing a community that you can meet with fortnightly is really important. It's why having mothers and fathers speaking into your life, having someone speak into your life that knows the junk and the gold, allowing people in to help us apply, to help us steward all the information that we've got, to steward the revelation that we've got so that we can apply it so transformation begins to happen. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind is not a passive thing. It's an application. And then that leads to manifestation. It manifests in our life. And it shows up. And your life is the greatest mirror to what's going on inside. So Jesus, thank you, God. Holy Spirit, Yeah, thank you, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the work that you each do in us. Yeah, this work that you're wanting to do in us, it's got to be measurable, practical, tangible. Help help us, God. Help us. Help us see this information go into revelation. Help it move from just a cognitive understanding into a a heart-touching moment, a shaking, a stirring God. But help us not let it stay there. We want it to move into applying it, God. Help us apply it, Jesus. Help us apply it, God. Let us be hearers not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Yeah, and I thank you for grace right now. Thank you, God, that when you speak, grace accompanies, which gives us the ability that we did not have before. Grace is the kindness and favor of God that gives you the ability that you did not have before. It enables you. It is the operational power of God in a believer's life. So yes to grace. Yeah, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If the prayer team could please come forward, that would be fabulous.